Oh, welcome to the presence of God. Welcome to the presence of God. Feel the sound of my voice. And you, a believer, you know that the Lord is good. You know that the Lord is merciful. You know that there is nothing that is impossible for this God. We, we all go through challenges in life. But one thing that I've learned in my short walk with Him, that He's a faithful God, that He does not change, that circumstances around us may change, but our God does not change. His Word does not change. This is why He's given us the Word as a standard for life. And so Scripture says that there was nothing that was made without the Word of God. So this is why we meet every Saturday to feed on the Word, the Holy Word of God, that we may be renewed in our minds, that the Spirit that God has put in us may manifest the glory of God in our lives. Because where there is absence of the Word of God, there is absence of faith. And as we know from Scripture, that without faith, that it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to receive anything from God. And so the Lord is counting on us to come into knowledge of Him, to manifest the fullness of the glory that He has given us in proportion to the grace given to each and every one of us. So this is why I'm always excited to bring the Word of God to you. I'm always excited to come humbly before the throne of grace that the Father of Spirits, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may manifest Himself through us. So Lord, we acknowledge Your presence in this place. We thank You for everyone at the sound of my voice. We thank you for everyone whose ears are open to your word, whose heart is receptive to your word. That Lord, this morning, that they will not leave this platform the same way they came in. But by the power of your spirit and by the anointing of your word, that your glory, that the power of the gospel will be revealed in them because we believe that the gospel is your power that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That in this gospel, that the righteousness of our Lord is revealed. The fullness of the glory of God is revealed in our Lord Jesus Christ. And our Lord, you will, you will bring us into that specific light that you want to make known to us this morning. That we will go leaving this platform knowing that we have heard your voice. Knowing that our spirits have been refreshed. Knowing that our minds have been renewed. Knowing that we have received your goodness. Knowing that we have received your mercy. Knowing that we have come into the fullness of your love. Because there is no fear in love. But your perfect love drives our fear. He said the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So this morning we believe that you are here with us. We believe that you will speak to us. We believe that our hearts will be transformed. That our minds will be renewed. That our bodies will be repositioned and strengthened to do that which you have called us heavenward in Christ. And all will see the glory together. And we'll praise your name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is your mandate. 
to speak to us this morning to bring us into knowledge of the truth to dissect the word of God and bring us into the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ the mind of God the revelations of scripture the glory that was revealed in the beginning that the light has been made known to us in Christ oh father oh father we're just vessels oh let your excellence be revealed this morning and let the power of the word let the power of the word the substance and the evidence of it be embedded in our heart and in our mind in the name of Jesus I rebuke any unclean spirit I command any force of darkness that stand against your word that stand to distort your word we rebuke him we command the spirit of darkness to flee from our midst he's not permitted in this place for this is the assembly of your people and the scripture says that we have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem father glory to your name glory to your name oh in this few seconds I want you to set your heart on him the creator of the ends of the earth thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus father we thank you father we bless you in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus thank you Lord Jesus open up your heart as the word of God is coming to you let go of every thought and focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ the Son of God our Apostle and our high priest our teacher master teacher it's time oh father it's time for the son of god to be glorified we bless you for your presence in this place in jesus name amen well um welcome once again to the presence of god um i am excited to uh continue the series that we started a couple of weeks ago um, and this series is titled laying the foundation for your life god's blueprint for building a spirit field and fruitful life in christ jesus uh, and so i'm excited for us to continue um, this series uh, to uncover what god has for us and to discover some of the revelations of scripture uh, that pertains to life here on earth uh, so that we can walk in the fullness of that which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so we do some housekeeping. Um, uh, we took a little break. Um, and so uh, I would try and uh, refresh uh, our memory on, on some of the things that we have discussed um, where we got to and then transition into what we're going to discuss this morning. And so if you'll bear with me. Um, and so w what we have done so far is still introductory to the theme 
uh, laying the foundation for your life. So we've looked at um, uh, the fact that in order to build anything for longevity, because our topic is laying the foundation for your life, God's blueprint for building a spirit field and fruitful life in Christ. And, and in order to build, if you're going to build a fruitful life, it is something that we you expect to last. Nobody wants to build anything that would not last. And so what we started off with was uh, that in order for anything to be built for longevity, it requires a good foundation. In order for anything to be built for longevity, it requires a good foundation. And that God has laid out a specific blueprint uh, in his word that he's made known to his people so that we may be able to follow it and fulfill his plan for your, for our lives. And that blueprint um, is what we call um, the seeds of God for man. The seeds of God for man. So this is the principal things we call it. We also call it the principal things. There are different terms that we use to describe it. And the reason for these terms is so that it we can understand what those principal things really mean and what, what it, it means for our lives as we are thinking or as we're studying um, the, the topic or the subject, laying the foundation for our life, how it relates to how we lay a, a good foundation for our life. And what we're saying is that he, this blueprint has been captured, you would say, into these, uh, these principal things. These two principal things gives birth to the principles that would allow us to build a fruitful life here on earth. And, and so if we follow this blueprint, we will be able to fulfill God's perfect will for our lives. Hallelujah. And his will for us, God's will for us, as we have said several times, is to experience the fullness of his glory according to the measure of the grace given to each one of us here on earth and also enjoy eternity with him. Hallelujah. And so we said that to build a solid foundation for your life here on earth in the will of God. And I want to stress on that. So whatever we're discussing has no value if it is not in the will of God. And as we move forward, we're going to distinguish between uh, uh, distinguish between um, um, certain principles that people have leveraged that have uh, that uh, have allowed them to build a fruitful or uh, you would say a successful life here on earth without necessarily being in the will of God. We have to be able to understand that that in order to build a solid foundation, that foundation has to be in the will of God. And so this is why we say that to build a solid foundation for your life in the will of God, you have to understand certain fundamental principles that set the foundation for life here on earth. We're saying that we want to lay a solid foundation for our lives. And we are going to do this in the will of God, or we want to follow God's blueprint. And so if we want to follow God's blueprint, then we have to look at what blueprint God has laid out and how God leveraged that blueprint to also build a solid foundation here on earth. So what we're talking about is not something that would happen in eternity. We're talking about life here on earth. Life as it pertains to heaven and earth. Life here on earth. Where man was placed 
to have dominion. And so I call these blue, uh, this, these things, the fundamental principles or the principal things, I call them the seeds of God for man. The seeds of God for man. Why do I, why do I call it principal things? And why do I call it the seeds of God for man? Because these are the two main things that God leveraged to set the foundation for life here on earth. That's why I call it two principal things. So they are principal things as it pertains to life here on earth. That's number one. And number two, they are seeds of God for man because God gave man access to these two principal things as seeds. And when you are given a seed, it is not in a fruit. Uh, sometimes uh, the seed in itself is not the end result. The seed is given so that when the seed is sown and the seed is given the necessary environment or nutrients, it would grow to become a plant and eventually bear fruit. And so God leveraged these principal things to set the foundation for life here on earth, what he created. And now he gave us access to give this access to man, to leverage these seeds to also create life here on earth in accordance with his will. And these two principal things are, number one, the spirit of God, and number two, the word of God. Nothing would happen here on earth. And I want to stress on this. Nothing will happen here on earth without the spirit of God, and without the word of God. And, then, and I'm sure questions are, are, are raging in your mind right now. So are you telling me that all the wickedness that are happening in the world is allowed by the spirit of God? We're going to, I want you to hang on to those thoughts. We're going to address them. Uh, so I say nothing here, nothing would happen here on earth without the spirit of God. And number two, without the word of God. Why do I say that? The scripture tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the spirit of God gave us a description of the status of the earth before God transformed it. He said the earth was formless. It was empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. But that was not the only thing happening to the earth at that point. The scripture says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters of the earth. So we do see that in the presence or in the absence of these two principal things, in the absence of these two principal things, the Spirit of God and the Word of God, the earth was empty. It was void. There's emptiness. And there was darkness over the surface of it. In the absence of the two principal things of God, what we call the seeds of God for man, there is formlessness, there is emptiness, and there is darkness. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm saying this statement to, to really bring to light uh, uh, um, something uh, uh, that, 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 that would allow you to understand and uh, where we're going. 
In the absence of the Spirit of God and the Word of God, the earth was formless, it was empty, and there was darkness over the surface of the deep. And I'm going to qualify this statement. In the absence of the manifestation, the full manifestation of the Spirit of God and the Word of God, the earth was formless, empty, and darkness was over it. When you read the description in Genesis 1, in the verse 2, he said, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God, if you go there briefly, you will see it, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we do see that there was the presence of the Spirit of God, but the presence of the Spirit of God was not the manifestation of the Spirit of God in the natural or over the earth. It was just hovering. If something is hovering over something, it is just covering it. It has not fully entered it. It has not fully taken control over the, or, or, over the earth. And so what we do see from the verse 2 is that the Spirit of God hovering over the waters of the earth this, that tells us that the Spirit of God had not yet fully manifested the glory of the Spirit over the earth. It was just hovering over it in a dormant state. And now we do see in verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So now we begin to see the translation of things in the Spirit. We know that God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. So anything manifested of God will come with light. Because it is of God. And in Him there is no darkness at all. So when God said, and I want you to take notice, God saying something is God releasing His Word. When you speak, you release words. So when God said something, God spoke his word. And when he spoke his word, the Bible says, and there was light. So now we see two things happening here. That there was the presence of the spirit of God in a dormant state hovering over the waters of the earth, but had not fully taken control or fully manifested the glory of God over the earth yet. And because of that, the earth was formless, empty, and dark. And now, when there was the introduction of the word of God, something happened. That the glory of God was revealed over the earth. That was the beginning of creation. That was God setting the foundation for everything that would happen afterwards. And then you can go through the book of Genesis and you can see that the scripture says, and when God said, let there be light and there was light, the Bible says, God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. 
Now you go to the verse 6. It says, And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. So as you, if you continue to read, you see the account of now things being translated out of the spirit into manifestation here on earth. But I want you to take notice that it started by first the hovering of the, of the spirit of God over the waters. And secondly, the introduction of the word of God. But I, I don't want to get ahead of, of, of myself. I'm, I'm excited about this word. When God said, let there be light, the Bible says he didn't stop there. The Bible says God separated light from darkness. And I want to give you a glimpse of where we're going. The separation of light from darkness is an action. When you are separating something, you're taking an action. So we saw that God spoke his word. And number two, God acted on his word. You see, he spoke his word and acted on the word before there was a manifestation of a full functional day and night. What we call evening and morning the first day. So we do see that in order, we do see that the action on the word of God. We do see the speaking of the word of God and the action on the word of God. Why is this relevant? And I want you to hang in there. I'm, I'm giving you some uh, glimpse of light of what we will discuss in detail as we move forward. But this is very relevant because we're reading the word. The Bible says, we understand from Hebrews 11, that by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. What was invisible? That which was of God, that which is in the will of God. It was not visible. But by faith, God translated those things that are in the spirit that was not visible on earth into manifestation and functionality in the natural. And how did he do it? By the speaking of his word and by the action on his word. Why? Because the word of God is the source of faith. Hebrews 11 uh, Romans 10 verse 17 says that for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. James 2 tells us that faith without works is dead. So if the word of God is the source of faith, therefore, when you have the word, when you speak the word of God, you are releasing a form of faith. But faith without works is dead, which means that you can have faith. But until there is an action on the faith, you do not see the manifestation of the thing in, it, in its full functionality in the natural. So God knew that. So when he spoke his word, he did not only stop there, but he took the next step to act on his word to bring to light the full manifestation of his glory in the natural realm. What does this mean for us? What this means is that sometimes, you see, not all the time, we're going to see as we get to describing or, or, or going details into the Word of God. Uh, we're going to discuss the Word of God in detail, what it means, what this Word of God means. What this means is that the Word is a source of faith. The Scripture says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to receive anything from God. But the Word is in three formats, what we've I've spoken about before, and I, we would highlight this. This is just uh, an introduction. There is a spoken word of God, there is a specific word of God, and there is the fulfilled word of God. So this one, just listen. For those of you who want to write, just listen to this. Uh, we're, we're laying out some, some building blocks for where we're going. I want you to, whatever you can pick from this is good. Hallelujah. There is a spoken word, there is a specific word, and there is the fulfilled word of God. 
The spoken word of God is the word of God you speak to translate the purpose of God out of the spirit into existence or manifestation in the natural. Now there is a specific word of God. It is the set of instructions and or actions that you act on to bring to full manifestation and functionality the spoken word of God. Now, when the word has been spoken, when the word has been acted on, then when the word is fulfilled, you have what we call the fulfilled word of God. Now, the fulfilled word of God is in two formats. There is a fulfilled word which we act on to receive. That is not replicable. Now, there is also the fulfilled word through Christ, what we call the promise that is replicable. Hallelujah. And that word which has been fulfilled through Christ becomes the promise of God for us in the spirit. And the scripture tells us in Romans 4 verse 16 that therefore the promise comes by faith. Which means if a word has been fulfilled through Christ, it is replicable. How it is replicable is by faith. It's, it, that replication is that you can cause the word, you can receive the word in multiple folds in its, or cause the word to manifest in your life multiple times as and when it's needed by the application of faith. Ooh, this is all introduction. We'll, we'll, we'll get it. So I want you to get something here. What I want you to pick up here is that the word that was introduced by God was not just a word that was spoken. It was a word that was spoken and it was a word that was acted on. What does this mean? If you're dealing with a word that exists as a fulfilled word of God through Christ, what we call the promise, salvation, healing, <clears throat> prosperity, and other things that are end up as part of the promise of God, you don't necessarily have to take an action. There are certain situations where the Spirit of God will manifest to give specific instructions for you to act. Those are manifestations of the Spirit of God. But as it pertains to leveraging the Word, all you need is faith, and that faith is what we see in Romans 10. Now this is the message of faith, Romans 10 verse 8. The Word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. And he uses salvation as an example. That if you declare with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For he says, it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So he's using salvation as an example. And he's saying that in order... To receive salvation, you don't have to take any action. What you need to do is receive the word and believe the word in your heart and speak the word. You don't see any action in the natural there. Why? Because salvation exists as a fulfilled word through Christ. That's what we call the fulfilled word that has been fulfilled through Christ. If it is fulfilled through Christ, it is replicable, which means if you have not received the word, you can receive it. So this is why the way to salvation for most people, 99.9% of people, is they hear the message of Christ. Glory to God. They believe the word and they speak the word because salvation exists in a new covenant as a fulfilled word of God. The word was spoken through the prophets in the old covenant or in the old testament. Jesus appeared in the scene and fulfilled the word. 
He said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He fulfilled the word. And when the word was fulfilled, the word now exists as a fulfilled word of God. So we read in the book of Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. So we see a glimpse of the revelation of the spirit that Isaiah saw concerning the word which will be fulfilled through Christ. So when Isaiah was speaking this word, he spoke the word as though it has been fulfilled. Because what Isaiah saw was the revelation of the spirit that which had already been established in the spirit. And in the spirit, Jesus was already crucified. So we read elsewhere, the scripture says, Jesus who was crucified before the foundations of the earth. Have you ever asked yourself, where did that happen? He was crucified before this foundation of the earth. Because what these revelations were, were revelations of the spirit. These were things that God had already established in the spirit. But until those revelations were released through the word of God, they could not exist in our realm. And so when the word of God was released, that revelation, that which was established in the spirit, was translated into existence in our realm. So the Lord Jesus appeared on the scene and acted on the word and fulfilled the word. So now the word exists as a fulfilled word. But the word which has been fulfilled through Christ, this is the message of faith. The promise comes by faith. It becomes a reality in your life by faith. By your believing the word and by your speaking of the word. And this is why the word is so important. And so what I want you to get here from Genesis 1, the verse 3 going, is that God translated his purpose out of the spirit into, ex into existence and manifestation in the natural by his word. But the word that was leveraged, or God translated, was not the word that he was only speaking but the word that he also acted on. He spoke the word and acted on the word before there was a manifestation of a functional day and night. When God said, let there be light, the Bible says there was light. And he saw that the light was good. What does this tell us? That even as we're studying how to lay a solid foundation for our lives, if God has given you a word and you keep repeating and keep speaking the word over your life, that is good. You will know that anytime you speak the word, you feel encouraged. Anytime you come into knowledge of the word, you feel encouraged. But sometimes there are certain word, certain revelations or certain direction that God gives us that we do not only need that spoken word, but we also need that specific word. The specific word is the set of instructions and all actions that you act on to bring that spoken word, the word that has been given you, into full manifestation and functionality. You cannot see the full functioning of the presence of the glory of God in your life until the word has been acted on. So this is a word for somebody. I don't know who this word is for, but this is the word for somebody because this, uh, the Spirit of God would, would make uh, glimpses of light or gives revelation of, uh, 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 of things to specific people 
as the message is being preached. Glory to God. And so you have to understand that even though you have received the word of God, even though God has spoken to you about things to come, but until you have received the specific set of instructions to act on, you do not see the thing in the full manifestation and functionality in your life. Sometimes you may receive the spoken word. Sometimes you may receive the word of prophecy. But what you need is the specific instructions to act on. If you have not received the specific instruction, it requires waiting on the Lord for the specific instructions. Sometimes we get ahead of God and act anyways. And when we act anyways, we become like Abraham before Isaac was born. He stayed in hope and took his own way. What happened? He gave birth to Ishmael, a son born according to the flesh, not born according to the spirit. And this is what happens to a lot of us. Sometimes we get ahead of the Lord. And what happens? We take our own steps. And when we take our own steps, we produce the fruit of the flesh, not the fruit of the spirit. If you want to know whatever you're doing is in the will of God, and I, want you to, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is the fruit that is being produced the fruit of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit? The fruit of the spirit we know, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the flesh will seek to glorify the flesh, will seek to glorify the things that you need only in the natural. It does not bring glory to God. It does not bring goodness in your life. It does not bring peace. So anything that does not yield these fruits, you have to start questioning it. Is it a fruit born out of the flesh because you got ahead of God? Or because you were impatient? Or because you did not wait to receive the specific word? We see God laying a blueprint for us here. He spoke his word. Even though he had spoken the word, he is God. He is God. He can do whatever he wants. But even though he had spoken his word, he operates by principle. And the principle he's shown here is, when he spoke the word, there was light. Scriptures at the entrance of the word of God give it light. Psalm 116. But the light was not functional. And this is what happens to a lot of us. We may receive the word of God, but the word has not been functional in our lives because all we have is the spoken word. We do not have the specific word, the specific set of instructions that we have to act on to bring the word into full manifestation and functionality in our lives. So I want you to ask yourself, is anything you're doing exhibiting the fullness of the spoken word and the fullness of the specific word? Why are, why are these two important because the spoken word the word of god is the source of faith whether the word is spoken or whether the word is fulfilled or whether the word is a specific instruction it is the word of faith but we do understand from scripture that faith without works is dead faith without deeds is dead he said just as the body without the spirit is dead faith without works is dead and james go ahead and says that show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. There are situations where we do not only have to speak the word of God, but we have to act on the word of God. And so we read in the, book, the first book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, 
The scripture says, he said, Theophilus, I began to write to you what Jesus began to do and to teach. Action. Action. Jesus began to do. He did not only preach it, but he did it and, pre and preached it and taught it. And that is the pattern of God. So this is a message for somebody. I don't know who that is, but it's a message for somebody. The Spirit of God wants to make something known to you this morning that maybe you've been grappling with, with, with how to go about things. You've been thinking about ways in which certain situations may be transformed. And what the Spirit of God is speaking to you this morning is you have heard the word. You've even received many words from people. You've received many words. But the first and foremost thing is you have to receive the word of faith. The word that is in accordance with the word of God. The word that reveals the glory of God through the light that is shown in your life. But when the word is released in your life, the word in itself will not bring anything into function, full functionality until you have acted on the word. So if you have received the word of advice, if you have received the word of instruction, that word of instruction, that word of advice is your specific word, which is the set of instructions that you need to act on to bring that word, the original word you have already heard, the original word you have already spoken into full manifestation and functionality in your life. I believe we have come to a time where we don't only have to be speaking the word of God, but full demonstration of the word of God. The Bible says the apostles went out and the Lord worked with them and provided them signs and wonders as a demonstration of the word. He worked with them and confirmed his word through signs and wonders. The signs is a demonstration. There's an action, an action on the word that is fully seen. And when the action is seen, we see the full functioning of the glory of God, the functionality of the glory in our lives. Hallelujah. This is a good digression. I believe that this word is for somebody as I feel deeply in my spirit. Hallelujah. And so what I want us to pick up here, pivoting to um, you know, what we wanted to look at here is that there are two principal things for the glory of God to be revealed that allows man or two principal things that sets the foundation of the earth, the spirit of God and the word of God. And God leveraged these principal things to create everything as we know it, as we have just read. That before anything was created, there was the presence of the Spirit of God. But the presence of the Spirit of God was just in a hovering state. It was hovering over the waters of the earth. It had not fully taken over control over a territory or fully embedded or manifested the glory of God in the natural yet. It was just hovering over the waters. Because it was just hovering over the waters of the earth, the earth at that point could still be formless and empty and dark. And I want us to Think about our lives in that same way. You are born again. You have received that deposit of the Spirit. The presence of the Spirit of God in you is hovering over you. It's, it's, it's in your spirit. But the presence of the Spirit will not in itself transform your life to see the manifestation of the glory until there is the introduction of the Word of God. Why? Because these two principal things work together. 
You can't have the Spirit of God without the Word of God. You will not see the glory of God. And you can't have the Word of God without the Spirit of God. And I'll give you those, I'll explain these two scenarios. When you have the Spirit of God, a deposit of the Spirit in you without the Word of God, it is so what people call spiritual junkies. They do everything haphazardly. The glory of God will not be revealed in your life. When you have the word of God without the spirit of God, you're already spiritually dead. You cannot come into the right understanding of the word of God. We read in 1 Corinthians 2, from verse 9 going, that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, no human mind has conceived the things God has in store for, for those who love him. The apostle says, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. So the revelation of the truth comes by the spirit of God. And this is why he's called the spirit of truth. So if you just see the word or just hear the word without the spirit, you can't come into right understanding of the spirit. But there is a grace, there is a mercy of God that is given in light of the gospel. And that is when the word of God, this is what the Bible says, it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And this is not of ourselves, that it is a gift of God. The first gift God gives to every man is when the word is given, even though they are spiritually dead, but the word, when they receive the word and believe the word, their spirits receive the nature of Christ in them. They are born again. This is why the new birth is the first thing God gives every man. And we see the example of this in the life of Cornelius. Cornelius, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, that he was a devout man who prayed to God daily and even did good by the poor. But you see, the first thing God gave Cornelius was to direct him to the path of salvation. He did good. He prayed to God daily, but he was not born again. So no matter what he did, he could still not inherit the kingdom of God. He could still not come into the fullness of the glory of God without the spirit of God. So what did God do? God saw the heart of Cornelius, that he was doing this out of ignorance. So what did he do? He revealed himself unto Cornelius and sent for men to, 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 to Joppa or to some, someone by the sea and called a man named Simon Peter who will come and give you words by which you and your household may be saved. The first message to the unbeliever is not a message of prosperity. It is a message of salvation. Why? Because the first and foremost thing that God puts or God puts in the life of anything that he wants to transform is his spirit. And the new birth brings or gives you the deposit of the spirit of God in you. So this is why the gospel is very important. So first things first. When God wanted to transform the earth, the first thing he put on the, to hover over the surface of the waters of the earth, uh, to hover over the earth, was his spirit. And after he brought his spirit, then his word came. Hallelujah. And so the, the, the initial thing that God wants to do in our lives is to make sure that we have his spirit. Once you have the spirit of God and the word of God is given to you, you can come into the truth of God's word. You can understand his ways. And now you can walk in the knowledge of the truth. The glory of God will now be revealed in your life. So we see a pattern of God here. First his spirit and then his word. And we see the same pattern in our salvation. First his spirit in us and second his word. Is that I will transform your heart. How does God transform our hearts? By his spirit.
I'll transform their heart from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in them and cause them to obey my decrees. I'll put, I'll write my laws in their heart. He transforms your heart. Then the law of God is imprinted in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And so first things first. These two principal things set the foundation for life here on earth. And this, these are the two principal things that God gave man a seed to manifest his glory here on earth. But first things first, first he gave man his spirit, and second he gave man his word. And we see the same pattern in creation. When God wanted to transform the earth, first he put his spirit to hover over the earth, and then he put his word, he introduced his word to now cause the manifestation of his glory out of the spirit into existence and manifestation in the natural. And so God leveraged these two principal things to create everything as we know it. And God gave man access to these two principal things. This is why I call it the seeds of God for man. So by these two things that man had access to, because of these two things that man had access to, God said to man in Genesis 1 verse 28, the Bible says, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Which means have dominion over natural things. We see in a preceding verse, <clears throat> the verse 27, the reason I said that God gave man access to this. How do we know God gave man access to this? So we see in Genesis 1 the verse 27 he says that so god created mankind in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them so we see god had created them and after god created them then god blessed them and said to them be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea uh, in the sea <coughs> the bears <coughs> In the sky, excuse me, over every living creature that moves on the ground. So now he's talking, these are territories the sea, the sky, and the ground and the land. God gave man territorial dominion, territorial authority. Hallelujah. And that authority came because man received first the Spirit of God, second, the Word of God. How do we know this? And so we see, let's answer that, 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 that first question. When God created man, now we can see how did God create man? How did God create man? We see it in the verse 26. He said, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over the, the all, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. And what is the image of God? God is spirit. Hallelujah. God is spirit. Hallelujah. And so God created man in his own image. And so if God created man in his own image, then we have to see 
Because we're saying that first things first, before God transforms something, he puts his spirit to hover over it. And then secondly, he gives his word. And what we're saying is that these two principal things, they set the foundation of the earth as we have seen it from Genesis 1 to verse 1 to 4 or 5. And what we're saying is that God leveraged these two principal things, his spirit and his word, to, to set the foundation of everything else, everything he created here in the natural. And God gave man access to these two principal things, which is first his spirit and first his word. So now we have to examine to see how God gave his spirit to man and how God gave his word to man. <clears throat> we should be able to see it if it is true. There has to be a scriptural evidence. Genesis 2, the verse 7, gives us this light. The scripture says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. And so here, from this scripture, we see the components of our being. Number one, God put his spirit in us. God breathing into us is God giving us his spirit. I believe that the breathing of God into man was one, the creation of the human spirit. Two, the, the release of the deposit of the spirit of God that gave man the components of a man or put the components of, of, of us in a glorified state. So Adam was created in a glorified state. And so here, when God said, when God formed man out of the dust of the ground, he was telling us other components that we're made of, the outer body. This is why when we die, our body rots back into the ground. So God formed the body out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That breath of life, you see, when your spirit leaves you, when you die, your breath ceases. And so we understand that when God breathed into man, the, the spirit man received his human spirit together with his soul. And then there was also the deposit of the spirit of God in man. And the Bible says, and man became a living being. How do we know that there was a deposit of the spirit of God? Because we do see that when Adam sinned, the glory he left, the, the glory of God left him. And the Spirit of God brings the glory of God. It brings the presence of the glory of God in us. And when the Spirit of God left Adam, Adam, even though was spiritually dead, but he still had his human spirit. So this is why the Bible tells us, in 1 Thessalonians 5, the Apostle Paul writing to the church, he says, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord. We're made up of three things. You have a spirit, your human spirit. You have a soul, which is ruled by your mental realm. And then you live in a body. Your spirit is your human spirit. That is where the spirit of God dwells. So when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in your heart. Hallelujah. The Bible says he has anointed and set a seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in us as a deposit. Where is the spirit deposited in us? In our spirit. And so we read in Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, that the spirit of man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord, searching the inmost part of the belly. 
So God enlightens us through our spirit. So this gives us the understanding that when God breathed into Adam, Adam received his human spirit with a deposit of the spirit of God in him. And also his soul realm was created. And so God formed the dust, formed his body out of the dust of the ground, and then gave him the two other components, his soul and his spirit, in a glorified state, which means that his soul realm and his spirit were fully saturated by the glory of God, fully saturated by the deposit of the spirit of God. That's why Adam was created in a glorified state. Now, let me give you what I have here. So aside God giving his spirit to man by creating them in his own image, he also formed them from the dust of the ground. And that's the body. And the body was quickened to life by the breath of life and man became a living being. The breath of life contains the components of the spirit of God, which gives life. But I believe that the, 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 as the scripture is making known to us, the understanding I get from this word is that he, Adam also received, or man and women also received the human spirit, which is distinct and was created by the breath that God breathed into the nostrils of man. That breath created a human spirit that allowed man to become a living being. And that human spirit and that breath gave us also our soul realm, our mental reasoning. So we see something that uh, I, I have really observed. That people who are not born again, they don't know anything about spirits. They don't even think that they are spiritual beings. All they know is their mind and body. So you hear a lot of things happening in the world. People talking about people who have become conscious. They call them they're coming to consciousness. And all they think about is consciousness of the mind and consciousness of the body. Why? Why is it that they don't know about their spirit? Because they're spiritually dead. They, are, they have a human spirit, but their human spirit is dead to God. And because your human spirit is dead to God, it is dormant. It does not know God. And so the only part of them that is functioning is their, ment uh, their mental realm, their soul realm, and their body. And that is where Satan has the greatest influence. If you're spiritually dead, Satan will rule over your mental realm. Satan will rule over your body. And so therefore, you do anything. Because we mostly live life out of the soul realm and out of the body. But if you're born again, God does not expect you to be ruled by your soul realm and your body. The scripture says, they that are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Glory to God, because life actually stems from your spirit. This is what the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows, the heart is also the spirit. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Hallelujah. And so we do see that. And so people who are spiritually dead focus on their mental realm and they focus on their body. So the breath of life contains the components of the spirit of God, the spirit that God gave Adam, and then also contained his human spirit. And so when Adam sinned, the spirit of God, which was in his spirit, left him and he became spiritually dead. Now, left with his human spirit, which is an unable to take dominion 
or be fruitful and multiply in accordance with the perfect will of God for him. So now we do see from Genesis 2 the verse 7 that God gave his spirit to man. God gave the deposit of his spirit to man. The light is very clear in Genesis 2 the verse 7. And after God gave his spirit to man, so we see a summary of this in the verse 27, Genesis 1, 27 and 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and all of that. So we see, we see, we see that in the verse 26 and uh, 27. And after God created mankind in his own image, now from Genesis, uh, from two, Genesis 2, we have understood that creation involved the creation of the human spirit, the deposit of the spirit of God, the creation of the, of the soul realm, and the creation of the human body. And that was created in a glorified state, free of sickness and disease, free of spiritual death. And Adam, because of the components that God had put in man. And what component was that? The deposit of his spirit. The deposit of his spirit. So this is the evidence that we have that first God gave man his spirit. First God gave man his spirit by the breath of life that he put in man. He gave man his spirit. And because he put his spirit in man, let's see what happened. I want to read the verse 27, Genesis 21, the verse 27 and 28, so that we can follow in, in that order uh, of, of what the Spirit is making known to us this morning. He says, that God created mankind in his own image. We've understood that that image means God received that, that his human spirit, uh, man received his human spirit and also received the deposit of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And he created them male and female. Now the verse 28, God blessed them. So now, because God had already given his spirit to man, he blessed man and said to man, be fruitful and increase in number. Be fruitful and multiply. This is what we see here. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves. On the earth but do we see here that because man had already received the spirit of god in him god blessed him first things first before anything can be transformed here in the natural first there has to be the introduction of the spirit of god so god created man in his own image because god is spirit so he gave man his spirit then now let's look at the, the second thing God gave man. The verse 28. Then God blessed them and then God said to them. God saying to man is God giving man his word. So we do see here. First, man received the deposit of the spirit, the spirit of God. And then second, man received the word of God. These are the two principal things. This is what we call it. The seeds of God for man. So this means that in order for anything to be transformed here on earth, number one, there has to be first the presence of the Spirit of God. Number two, there has to be the introduction of the Word of God. And listen to this. The Bible says in Genesis 1 verse 20, he said, Then God blessed them and God said to them. So the, the scripture gives us a description 
of what the blessing entails. You see that God did not bless them until they had received the deposit of his spirit. And the blessing, now he tells us how men receive the blessing. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. You cannot be fruitful and multiply if there is no seed. God had already given first the seed of his spirit and second the seed of his word. And because of the seed of his spirit and the seed of his word, that means that man was bound for the blessing of God. This means that no person can receive the true blessing of God unless, number one, they have the spirit of God in them. Number two, unless they have received the word of God. These are the two principal things that operate here on earth for the manifestation of the will of God, for the manifestation of the glory of God here on earth. Because Adam was given the spirit and when God said to them, God gave him his word. Adam was bound to walk in the blessing of God. So the scripture says, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And so now, even as we're, we, we are studying how to lay a solid foundation for our lives, we have to understand that no foundation can be laid without first the deposit of the spirit of God and second, the introduction of the word of God. You cannot build anything here on earth without these two. Why? Because the, the, the spirit and the word has been set as the standard for anything that would happen here on earth. And there are two sides of this. Is either you have the spirit, is either there's a presence of the spirit, an absence of the word, and you don't see the manifestation of the glory. Or is either you have the word and you don't have the spirit, you don't see the glory. Or either you have both and you see the manifestation of the glory of God in your life or you have none of it. And then you live in chaos where darkness rules over you. But this morning, I am encouraged because I believe each and every one of us is born again and are still in fellowship with the Lord. We have not lost our faith. And because we have not lost our faith, we have the deposit of the Spirit of God in us. But there is a word of God for every situation. What I've come to understand. There is a word of God for salvation. There is a word of God for healing. There is a word of God for prosperity. There is a word of God for dominion life. And until you have come into knowledge of the specific word of God for that specific situation, you will not see the manifestation of the full glory of God for that situation. And so we have to understand that even though we can just broadly say any word of God for any situation. God is a God of order. There is a word that he used to create evening and morning that was born out of the light. There is a word he used to create man. And so there is a word of God for every, for every situation. There is a word of God for salvation and there is a word of God for healing. And this is why you can have people who are sick and they gave their life to Christ and still the sickness is there. Because the word they received was the word of salvation. They did not receive the word of healing. But what God has given us, he said, go out and preach the gospel. 
But gospel is the totality of the word of God. It involves salvation. It involves healing. It involves prosperity. It involves deliverance. It involves everything that pertains to the will of God for our lives. The gospel of Christ. So this is what the Bible says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. You see, first he had to be anointed of the Spirit of God. Jesus was always the Son of God, but his ministry was not birthed until he received the anointing of the Spirit. And then he began to speak the word. Hallelujah. First things first. There has to be first the introduction of the Spirit of God. And second, then the Word is introduced. When there is the presence of the Spirit and the Word of God is introduced, there is the manifestation of the glory of God in the natural. So Jesus, the Bible says, was anointed of the Spirit of God. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10, 38. And how he went about doing good and healing all. So now the, the, the Scripture tells us Jesus was anointed of the Spirit. And about somebody, somebody may ask, why, would, why did Jesus have to be anointed? Because he was a man. He was, he's the Son of God. Did he need to be anointed again? Yes, because the Bible says he, he laid aside his glory and majesty and became as a man. So Jesus had to be anointed of the Spirit of God in order to fulfill his assignment here on earth. In the same way, in order for any of us to be able to fulfill the assignment of that God has given us, we have to be anointed of the Spirit. And this is why you receive the new birth first. That now the baptism of the Spirit of God causes the manifestation of the fullness of the anointing according to the measure of the grace that God has given you. But that anointing is in you, is a deposit in you. That anointing will not manifest the fullness of the glory until there is an introduction the word of God. So you can see the word of God as the activator and the translator of that which God has established in the spirit for your life into manifestation in the natural. So Jesus received the spirit and then now he began to do good. How did he do good? By the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the word, and by healing. And so I've had, I had an encounter with a lady who was a Muslim and gave her life to Christ. And it was a very interesting encounter. Now, uh, by the understanding of the word of God, uh, I understand why those things happen. She gave her life to Christ, but she had a chronic pain, a chronic pain in the back that had been there for many, many years. And so when I spoke to her about her salvation, and I asked her about the life before Christ and life after Christ. And, and she, she was excited. She, 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 she was really hungry for, for, Christ, for more of him. Now, he, she had received the deposit of the Spirit of God. And so the deposit of the Spirit yearns for the Word. Anytime you, you, you do not yearn for the Word of God, it means that the Spirit, you're quenching the Spirit of God. Anytime your Spirit yearns for the Word of God, it means that your Spirit, the Spirit of God in you, is activated. The Spirit of God in you is alive in you. Anytime you begin to move away from the Word of God, anytime you do not hunger and thirst for the Word of God, it means that the flesh has taken dominion, that you have to go back and refeed yourself, feed yourself, keep praying, praying, praying in the Spirit, reactivate the Spirit of God in you, that you begin to yearn for the Word again. The Bible says, blessed are they, are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The hunger will begin when you are full of the Spirit of God, you will hunger 
for the word of God. So she was hungry for the word of God because she had received the deposit of the spirit. And so we we're discussing about, she's asking questions about, she started, you know, studying scripture. And he says, she was asking where to start from. And so I asked her a, a very good question. So I asked her, so now everything in your life is, is good, right? She said, I'm happy and I'm peaceful and I have this love and joy in me. And then the smile, you can tell, you see, with someone born again, that life of God is alive in them. And uh, she said something. She said, uh, but I have this chronic back pain that will not leave. And I asked, I said, so the people, I don't know whether she told the people who led her to Christ or not, but I asked her, so the people who led you to Christ did not tell you that the same word that brought salvation is the same word that brought healing. It's a slightly different word, but the same gospel comes together. As was prophesied through the prophet Isaiah, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, talking about our, 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 our sins being forgiven. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And, and on top of it, by his stripes, we were healed. Hallelujah. And so I said, well, the good news that I have for you is that the same message you received, the same word that brought you to salvation, that same word releases healing to your body because what Jesus fulfilled on the cross was not only for salvation, but also for your healing. So I shared the word of healing with her, prayed for her, and instantly the pain left her body. Three days later, she texted me and said, I'm still pain-free. Why? Why could she have received salvation and not received healing? Because the message she heard, the word of God she received, was a word of salvation. Why? She had faith to be saved. She did not have faith to be healed. And so this tells us there is a word of God for every situation. You may have received the word of God that allows you to prosper. But you have not received the word of God that brings healing. You may have received the word of God that brings healing, but you may not have received the word of God that allows you to be able to build a fruitful life here on earth. And this is why we're discussing this. There is a word of God for every situation. The spirit is the same. God does not change. His spirit is the same. His word is the same. But there is a word for every situation, but one spirit. So first he gives you his spirit. And now... He has given you his word so that by the spirit you can understand the word and come into knowledge of him. So this is what the apostle Paul said, that he is an apostle sent to further the faith of the elect. The furthering of the faith of the elect is by the teaching them, the teaching the elect, the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ so that they can grow in faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not only hearing the word, but also believing the word. Because it is the word that is believed that translates into faith in your heart. Hallelujah. And so here we do see that God gave man access to his spirit, access to his word. And because of that, man received the blessing of God. And how did, the, how did God say the, the blessing will manifest? By their fruitfulness and their multiplication by having dominion in their lives. So this tells us that in the perfect will of God for each and every one of us, we have to be fruitful and multiply. And the reason why we, we can confidently 
move in fruitfulness and multiplication and dominion in our lives because we have received the Spirit of God and we have received the Word of God. Hallelujah. So these are the two principal things that God set or used or leveraged to set the foundation of the earth. So even as we are discussing or studying how to lay a solid foundation for our lives, I want you to know that no foundation can be laid without the Spirit of God and without the Word of God. And this is what we receive in Christ. Why did we have to receive Christ again? Because the Bible tells us that when God created man in, in his own image, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. We have to understand the context here. We have to get a context here. This is in the original state before Adam and Eve were corrupted. So before the corruption, they had the Spirit of God and they had the Word of God. But we do see that when God gave them instruction, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they disobeyed the Word of God. And so which means Adam and Eve fell out of the perfect will of God. They fell out of, into spiritual death. When you fall out of the perfect will of God, the fullness of the glory of God, the perfect will of God, of God, a perfect will of God for your life will not be fulfilled. And we know that the perfect will, the will of God is good, pleasing, and perfect. As we know from Romans 12, the verse 2. And so they fell out of the perfect will of God. How did that happen? They were deceived by the darkness. We do see from Genesis 1, that from the verse 4 going, that, uh, that God, the verse 3 going, that God separated light from darkness. That darkness was the manifestation of the devil. That darkness was the manifestation of the evil one. And that darkness later on manifested himself in the form of a serpent and deceived them. How did he deceive them? He deceived them with a word. Why? Because they already had the spirit of God in them. And the only way that Satan could take away their fruitfulness and multiplication is by causing them to disobey the word of God. In the same way, the tactics of Satan has not changed. Those of us who have believed in Christ, the only way we will not be fruitful and multiply in our lives is when we disobey the word of God, when we ignore the word of God, when we don't put the word of God to work. That's the only way that we will not be fruitful and multiply. That's the only way we will not have dominion in our lives. But as I mentioned earlier, there is a word of God for every situation. You may have obeyed the word of God for a particular situation, but in another situation, you are ignorant of the word. Or in another situation, you have disobeyed the word of God. But the perfect will of God for us is that in every area of our lives, that we will be fruitful by heeding to the word of God. And so he told the Israelites, in, in, in Genesis 15, that if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and pay attention to his commands, if you keep his statutes, then I will not bring on you any of the diseases that I brought on Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. He's using healing as an example. But what he's saying is that if you keep my commands, and how do you keep the commands of God? How are, how are the commands of God given? It is given by the, by the word of God. So if we keep the word of God and act 
in accordance with the word, then we will be fruitful and multiply. This is why the psalmist says in Psalm 1, that blessed is the man that does not sit in the counsel of the wicked, nor take the way that sinners take, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, that's the word of God, and who meditates on his law day and night. He said that person is like a tree planted by streams of water that bears fruit in season. Their leaves do not wither and whatever they do prosper. Hallelujah. So if you want whatever you do to prosper, prosperity is being fruitful and multiplying. If, you, if you're fruitful and you multiply, you, that's prosperity. Prosperity is part of it. But it only comes through the word because it is the word that releases the prosperity of God out of the spirit into manifestation in the natural. We have received the spirit of God in us. We have received the word of God as well. And what the word is, that what encouragement the spirit is given us this morning is that no matter where you are in this life, you have to understand that if you want to set any foundation, number one, you need the Spirit of God. Number two, you need the Word of God. Now we're going to safely transition to a little bit of what we will talk about today. And then, by the Spirit, we'll move to the next phase in this teaching. But I want to refresh our memory on, on something that we discussed uh, last two weeks, which is the context in which this is set, Genesis 1 is set. This was the original state before Adam and Eve were corrupted. And so we see that these two principal things allowed man to walk in the fullness of the blessing of God. Hallelujah. But the note here, which I highlighted two weeks ago, I want to restate that is, Adam lost, lost dominion over all things and could not be fruitful and multiply in accordance with the perfect will of God because Adam lost the spirit of God, the deposit of the spirit of God. He did not lose his human spirit. He lost the glory. It is the presence of the deposit of the spirit of God, the presence of the spirit of God that brings the glory. I believe Adam did not only have the deposit, he had the full glory. We have the deposit, but still this body is subject to sickness and disease because now we're waiting for the full redemption of our soul and our bodies when the Lord Jesus come. But Adam at this state was in a glorified state. His body was in a glorified state. His soul was in a glorified state. His spirit was in a glorified state. So Adam was in the full glory. This is why the scripture later on in the New Testament, the, through the Apostle Paul, speaks about just as we inherited the nature of the first man, so shall we inherit, it, inherit the nature of the second man. The, 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 the first man, Adam, and now Jesus, Adam, is there became a living being, and the second man, Adam, uh, the second Adam, Jesus, became a life-given spirit. That's life in the spirit. And that is the same state that Jesus resurrected in. When Jesus resurrected, he resurrected in a glorified body. That glorified body could not be killed. That glorified body knew no sickness and disease. That glorified body could enter through buildings. That's the glory that will be revealed. Hallelujah. In the last time when Jesus comes. Now we have received the deposit of the Spirit guaranteeing that which is to come. Why? Because before God fully redeems a person, the redemption of God first starts 
with the deposit of his spirit. Hallelujah. Now, let's move ahead uh, because I, I don't want to digress too much. There is a lot to, to uncover in this series and I'm excited. Hallelujah. It says, so Adam lost dominion over all things because he fell into spiritual death by the deception of of, 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 of the spirit of darkness, which manifested himself in the form of a serpent. And the, and the spirit uh, uh, the spirit of darkness brought the word. He caused them to disobey God's word. So by his, but his fall started with his disobedience to the word of God. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he disobeyed the word and fell from a glorified state into spiritual death, still with his human spirit intact. And the spirit of darkness took dominion over natural things. So Adam was originally the god of this age. But Adam lost that dominion to the spirit of darkness. How do we know? Let's go to Hebrews 2. Let's pick up something here from Hebrews 2 to wrap this point up. Hebrews 2. Now, starting from the verse 5. He says, it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we're speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. So he's quoting the Psalms. Psalm 8. He said, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor. There we have it here. There you are. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor. So he's talking about creation. Adam, creation, the creation of, him, of, of humans. A creation of Adam. Adam was created in a glorified state. The presence of the Spirit of God brings the glory of God to you. But the honor, which is the dominion, when you have dominion, when you are fruitful and you multiply, it brings honor. So the presence, so the glory of and honor here, the, 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 the deeper revelation of this is because man received those two principal things. Man received the spirit of God and man received the word of God. The presence of the spirit brings the presence of the glory of God. Then the introduction of the word, glory to God, will result in honor. That is the full manifestation of the glory of God. When the, the glory of God is fully manifested in your life, there will be honor. Hallelujah. And so what happened? The scripture says, And God put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, listen to this, God left nothing that is not subject to them. So there was nothing here on earth that was not subject to the authority of man. Why? Because God had given man his spirit and his word. And so man was created in a glorified state full of honor. Hallelujah. But listen to the second phrase of the verse 8. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to them. What happened? Because of the, of the deception of Satan, the spirit of darkness. So Satan deceived Adam for Adam to disobey the word and fall out of glorified state into spiritual death. And so now Satan took dominion over natural things. This is why there is a lot of wickedness here on earth. Because Satan has now become the God of this age. This is why in 2 Corinthians 4, the verse 4 says, In whom the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 
So Satan has become the God of this age. So remember in Matthew 4, when the devil came to tempt Jesus, he said, he took him to the highest point of the temple and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, the beauty and splendor of the world. And he said, if you bow down to me, I will give all this to you because it has been given to me. Who gave the authority and dominion over all natural things to, to Satan? You see that Jesus did not dispute him. If Satan was, was, was lying in that situation, Jesus would have said that you are lying. But Jesus did not dispute that. Why? Because dominion was originally given to Adam. Adam was originally the God of this age. God created him in his image to manifest his kingdom here on earth. But because Adam had received the spirit of God and the word of God. But Adam disobeyed the word and now fell into spiritual death. Now the prince of the dead, now the prince of darkness, Satan, took dominion over natural things. And so this is what the scripture says, yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. So what happened? But, glory to God, but we do see Jesus, hallelujah, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. So because we had fallen into spiritual death, so Jesus had to come and take our place. Why Jesus? Because we understand from Scripture, the revelation spoken through the epistle of, uh, of John, in, in John 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. So we understand from Scripture, the light of the, of the New Testament, that, that God speaking His Word, when God said, let there be light, that was the introduction of the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible says, He is the firstborn of all that God created. How did Jesus become the firstborn? How do we see the firstborn in creation? The firstborn is manifested by the word of God. This is why the Bible calls it in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. He started with in the beginning was the word. What word is he talking about? The word of God that was introduced that was ma that manifested in a form of light. That was the introduction of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the manifestation of the son of man and out of him were all created. So if we were all created through Christ, the scripture tells us in John 1, that he, although the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So this tells us that the world was created through Christ. So if the world was created through Christ, and now the world has been corrupted by the spirit of darkness, then how the world can be redeemed or reconciled back to God will have to be through Christ Jesus. This is why the gospel of Christ is so important. This is why we preach Christ. That all might be reconciled to God back into that glorified state. And so I don't see the preaching of the gospel as a religion. I see it as life. Because the Bible says, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. So Jesus was there, was through him that all things were made. And so if we were corrupted and we fell into spiritual death, then the original out of whom we were made had to also come in the flesh. Glory to God. And so the scripture says, that, but we do see Jesus. We, don't, we lost that authority, but Jesus was brought in the flesh to restore us back to that glory. How do we know? Is that but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. For what? Read on. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. 
Only for Christians? No. He might taste death for everyone. For what? The verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory. Hallelujah. So Adam fell out of spirit and fell into spiritual death and lost that glorified state. So Jesus came to restore us into that glory and honor. So the scripture says, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Read on the verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood. Hallelujah. He too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. We lost that dominion to Satan, and now we fell slave to his deed, fell slave to his wickedness, fell slave to his wickedness, fell slave to all his evil deeds. But the good news is that we have the gospel of our Lord Jesus. The good news is that the Son of God was sent to restore us back. Glory to God. Because we were created out of him. The scripture says he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. So now by your being born again, you have received the deposit of the Spirit of God. You have received the first salvation, which is your spirit has now been re reconciled to God. Now what we're waiting for is the second coming of the Lord Jesus, where our full, there is full redemption to that glorified state. But even now, because of the deposit of the Spirit of God, there is a glory that we have received. There is a glory that Jesus said, Father, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Glory to God. And so now I want you to know that if you're born again, you have been reconciled back to God. Hallelujah. According to the measure of the grace God has given you for the life that he has given you on earth. And you are bound for eternal glory as well. Hallelujah. So he says, because the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in our humanity. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. And that is the devil. So you see, the reason why Satan, the scripture also gives us this light, that the reason why Satan took dominion over natural things is because man fell into spiritual death. And Satan is the God of the dead. He was made death. He was became spiritual. He, he was made darkness by God. And because he's the God of the dead, so what happened? When we fell into death, we became prey to him. He took advantage of us. But through Christ, we have been set free from a life of death into a life of glory, a life of fruitfulness, and a life of dominion. Why? Because we have received his spirit back again. And number two, we have received his word. Hallelujah. He says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the affair of death. Now let's read on to get a full context. 
For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Why is he talking about Abraham here? He's talking about the restoration being of faith, because Abraham is the God is the is the man of faith. And the Bible says, whoever has the faith of Abraham is, is blessed. Hallelujah. So Abraham, we are descendants of Abraham because we are people of faith in Christ. Hallelujah. He said, For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, because the promise was given to Abraham to his seed, who is Christ. Hallelujah. So for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, so that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. So he's able to help those who have been tempted. So even though he has redeemed us, but because the full redemption has not come, we still have to grapple with the weakness of the body. And so, because of that, God, through his mercy and faithfulness, is able to help us when we're tempted by the flesh so that by his spirit we can put to death the misdeed of the body and walk in the fullness of the glory of God for our life. So even now, as we're discussing this introduction to laying the foundation for our lives, I want you to know that if you have given your life to Christ, the first foundation is laid. Hallelujah. The Bible says no one can lay any foundation apart from that, that, that foundation which, are, which, which has already been laid. That is Jesus. So you have laid the first foundation. And that first foundation is that you have received the deposit of the Spirit of God. And you have now received the Word of God. Once you have access to these two principal things, you are marked for the blessing of God. You are marked for fruitfulness and multiplication in your life. You are marked for a dominion life. But I want us to look at this here, this thought here. The scripture says, For surely it is not angels who help Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Faithful high priest in service to God. There is a pattern here, but I will not digress too much, but I want to give you this light. The high priest, you see, the Old Testament was types and shadows of what was to come. And the high priest offered two things. He offered sacrifices and gifts on behalf of the people. So in the same way Jesus came, he offered a sacrifice and gifts. What sacrifice did he offer us? He offered his body. He offered his blood. He went into the most holy of holies and attained a sacrifice for us once and for all so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You see, by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Why is it so important? Because first, for anything to be transformed here on earth, first, there has to be the presence of the Spirit of God in that, in that thing. There has to be the presence of the Spirit. And so that this is why the promise is the promise of the Spirit. Because once you receive the deposit of the Spirit, now you can leverage, once you receive the Word, you can see the full manifestation of the glory of God in your life. So the high priest offered two things. First, sacrifice, and two, gifts. And so you see that the Scripture also says that when Christ Jesus has offered the sacrifice once and for all, 
went into the innermost part of the temple, holy of holies, and attained a sacrifice through, with his blood and brought us to salvation. The Bible says, when Christ Jesus then ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. He took captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So now Jesus has fulfilled his mission as a high priest. Because the high priest offered two things, sacrifices and gifts. He offered a sacrifice through his blood, through his death on a cross, and with his blood attained a sacrifice for us so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And then he released gifts unto us. He first needed to offer the sacrifice before the gifts. First things first. I want you to notice, as, as I'm highlighting these things, because I want you to notice the pattern of the operation of God. Because once we get to really discussing the real principles of how to build a fruitful life here on earth, you will see that God operates in a pattern. There is a pattern of God. Once you understand the, the, the figure of that which is spoken in the old, then the new will become real to you. So I want you to notice the pattern of God. In the figure of the old, the, the high priest offered two things, sacrifices and gifts. Now we come to the light of the new, Jesus being our high priest, our apostle and high priest, the Bible says he offered a sacrifice once and for all. And that sacrifice was so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, once we have received the promise of the Spirit, the Bible says when he ascended on high, he released gifts unto men. So now, by the presence of the Spirit and by the releasing of the gifts, now to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So because you have received the deposit of the Spirit of God and because you have also received the gift of the high priest, what happens is that now, once you leverage the Word of God, that will be the manifestation of every gifting of God that has been given you according to the measure of God's grace given you for this life. I know we're going into deeper territory, so I want you to bear with me. This word is very deep. And that the Holy Spirit will continue to enlighten us and bring all of us to understanding. So I want you to go with me. We're on a journey. But after this journey, glory to God, you will see your life completely transformed. You will see the manifestation of the glory of God in every aspect of your life. Because what we're interested in is that once you have laid that solid foundation, that you will be fruitful and multiply and have dominion in every area of your life. Because you will understand what the spirit of God in you, what, what his functions are, and you will understand what giftings that God has put in you, then you will understand how the word of God is leveraged, that you can walk in the fullness of the measure of the gift of God's grace that has been given you, and then you begin to see that your life is becoming fruitful, you begin to see that you will multiply in every area of your life, you will see that you have dominion as Christ apportioned it for your life, and that is walking in the light of the perfect will of God for your life. So Jesus fulfilled his assignment. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The scripture says, he was a faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make the atonement for the sins of the people. You see, he brings the sins for the people because the atonement was made with the blood and that blood was made through sacrifice. Hallelujah. If there is no sacrifice, there is no releasing of the gift. So he made the sacrifice with his blood and obtained 
uh, atonement for our sins because if there is no forgiveness of sins if there is no shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin the blood was shed through sacrifice and so we receive the forgiveness of sins if there is no forgiveness of sins there is no receiving of the deposit of the spirit this is what jesus told nicodemus that except a man is born of water and the spirit they cannot enter the kingdom of god being born of water is a sign of repentance that was john the baptist's message he said i baptize you with water for repentance but after me comes one who is greater than i and he will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire so that water there represents a sign of repentance why because until you have repented of your sins you do not receive the forgiveness of sins through the blood of christ what does repentance mean repentance means just to turn around move away from the life of unbelief into a life of faith in Christ. The moment you believe what the high priest did by the sacrifice he made, then you receive the new birth. Except the man is born of water and the spirit. Being born of the spirit is receiving the promise of the spirit. Be receiving the deposit of the spirit as a sign of your new birth. And once you have received the sign of the new birth, now by the glorification of the Son of Man, He ascended on high, grace has been given you to receive a particular gifting for your purpose, God's purpose for your life here on earth. Hallelujah. And now, so once you have the deposit of the Spirit, we have talked about the two seeds of God for man, the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So now you've received the deposit of the Spirit, which will allow the gifting to manifest in you. The gift is deposited, comes with the Spirit. Hallelujah. And now, by the Word, the second principal thing, by the Word, you can translate that which is in the Spirit into manifestation in your life. Hallelujah. So we've seen the pattern of the two principal things. One, we've seen that the two principal things set the foundation for life here on earth. And our topic is, or our series theme is, Laying the foundation for your life. No foundation can be laid without the Spirit of God and without the Word of God. Because this Word Spirit and the Word was set or set the foundation for anything or everything that would happen here on earth. It set the foundation for creation. And the same Spirit set the foundation, Spirit and the Word set the foundation for the blessing of God for man. Set the foundation for fruitfulness and a dominion life for man. It is the same Spirit that is at work here. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And is the same Word. Hallelujah. God does not change. His Word is the same. Hallelujah. We are now coming into the light of the Word of God. We're coming into an age where there is an increase in the abundance of the light of the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that, why? Because we are in the last, last days. The Bible said there will be an abundance of knowledge in the last days. This Bible said the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. So by the revelation of the Spirit of God, that knowledge of God is being made known to His people so that by the knowledge of His Word, because we have already received the Spirit, we can now go out and deliver those who are ignorant, who preach the good news of the gospel so that many will turn to the Lord, so that the end will become faster for the devil because the bible says god is waiting he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth but until we ourselves have understood the function of the spirit of god that we have received and the deposit of the word that we have received we cannot go out and be fruitful we cannot produce the fruit that god intended for us to produce and this is why this series 
is so important. So I encourage you. I go back and I listen to these messages again. I encourage you, listen to it over and over again. Because I know that there is a lot here. It is the same for me. Some of the things that the Spirit of God releases, I have to go back and now meditate on it to understand it. So don't think that I fully get it. The Bible says, these prophets of old, they spoke of things to come and they themselves looked into it. Because it was the Spirit of God speaking through them. In the same way the Spirit of God speaks through us sometimes, we also have to sit back and then digest the Word and see how we can put the Word to work in our lives. Hallelujah. And so I want you to be encouraged that the Lord is with us. I want you to be encouraged that no matter where you are, once we understand that the need for the Spirit of God and the need for the Word of God in your life, then you're marked for the blessing of God. Hallelujah. And so we do see here that Satan has now become the God of this age. But for those of us who believe in Christ, it is not the same. We have now, through Christ, broken the power of him who holds the power of death. So now Satan does not have dominion over us. Why? Because we have been set free. The Bible says, he whom the Son of God sets free is actually free indeed. So we have understood the reason why Jesus had to come. The reason why Jesus had to come in the flesh, because we had fallen in the flesh. So he had to come in the flesh. And in order for him to come in the flesh, he had to lay aside his glory and majesty. So this is why he had to be anointed of the Spirit of God to fulfill the will of God. In the same way, we also have to be anointed of the Spirit of God to fulfill the will of God for our lives until the full redemption comes. So now, by this understanding, let's look at in detail. We're going to pick each of these two, of the, of the two principal things. This is just an introduction to the two principal things, the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And so now we're going to pick where we left off last two weeks was we, we highlighted the Spirit of God. Uh, so we're still there. So now we've transitioned back to where we, we, we were last two weeks. Hallelujah. So now let's look at the two principal things. That's what we call the seeds of God for man. Or you can also call it, call it the seeds that allows us to be fruitful and multiply or have a dominion life here on earth. We're going to look at how they work and how God leveraged it to create the thing that we see in the natural that has existed for generations and generations. So this means that once you understand the operation of the Spirit of God, and how the Word of God works, you can create something in your life that will last. You can build the perfect will of God for your life that will last. Why? Because now you have access to the Spirit and you have access to the Word, the two fundamental or principal things that set the foundation for life here on earth. Hallelujah. So this tells us, that once we come into understanding of the operation of these two principal things, we can build a fruitful and long-lasting life here on earth. Hallelujah. And our impact, and that is where we see the full manifestation of the glory and the honor that we have received through Christ. And so now, let's, let's touch briefly on the Spirit of God, and then we will conclude this morning and we'll pick it up god willing next week hallelujah so i encourage you i encourage you hallelujah so now the spirit of god 
So before I go into details of the Spirit of God, I want to lay out some building blocks here. There are three kinds of spirit as we know it. There are three kinds of spirit as it pertains to the natural life. One, there's the Spirit of God. There is the human spirit. And there is the spirit of darkness. At the beginning of creation, well, all we had was the human spirit, which had the presence of the spirit of God in it. And so man had the image of God because he had a human spirit. He was created to live in a natural life. So he had a human spirit. And then he had a deposit of the spirit of God in him, which gave him glory and honor. And he had the word of God. But so now here we see two, three spirits at work. There is a spirit of God, there is a human spirit, and there is the spirit of darkness, or the spirit of evil. Our God is the father of all spirits. Our God is the father of all spirit. Hebrews 12 verse 9 tells us, is that moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? Should we not submit to the Father of spirits and live? So we understand that our God, whom we serve, is the Father of all spirits. Now, the New King James, I like the, the New King James take on this. He says that we have had human fathers who corrected us and we pay them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? So our God is the Father of spirits. But as it pertains to authority here on earth, you see, in God's original intent, this is where we started with, you know, laying that foundation to understand what who had authority for natural life. It was humans. We, and that authority, God gave us that authority by his deposit, by his spirit, which he had given us. Hallelujah. Because the spirit of darkness was already here. We do see in Genesis 1, the verse 2, that now the earth was formless, empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. So the spirit of darkness was already here. And later on, as we continue in, in the discussion of the spirit of God, we're going to take a little side journey and look at how Satan manifested as a spirit of darkness at the beginning of creation. So Satan was here before the earth or before God created the earth. So he was here before us. But when God said, let there be light, we do, we do see that God separated light from darkness. That darkness, there was a set time for the darkness to be bound forever. There was a set time that God has set in his own plan. There are, there are times and seasons. God was going to bound the spirit of darkness forever until man was deceived by the spirit of darkness. So God set in motion a plan to restore us. So the Bible says God is reconciling all things to himself through Christ. And so now, as it pertains to authority here on earth, there are two kinds of spirit now that have authority. The human spirit alone cannot have authority here on earth. It will be influenced either by the spirit of, of light, the spirit of God, or by the spirit of darkness. Because in God's original plan, the human spirit was not created to exist alone. It was created to harbor, to have the glory of the Spirit of God. So this is why I first described the three kinds of spirit that we have. And the reason why I described it that way is because I want you to understand the different states 
of man. There are folks like us who have believed in Christ, who have a human spirit and have received the nature of the spirit of God in us. And there are those who are not born again. They don't have the spirit of God in them, but they have their human spirits. And there are those who are not born again and who have been possessed by an evil spirit. So this is why I describe it this way. For you to understand that someone who is born again has their human spirit and in their human spirit is the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Someone who is not born again just have their human spirit, but they are liable to influence by the spirit of darkness. So I want you to understand. So as it pertains to authority here, the human spirit alone cannot have authority by itself. Is either the authority is influenced by the spirit of God or the spirit of evil, the spirit of darkness. So now, by this understanding, we can safely say that the two kinds of spirit oppression here on earth that, that have influence on people is the spirit of darkness and the spirit of God is the spirit of light and the spirit of darkness. The human spirit was created by God to rule over natural things, but fell prey to the spirit of darkness and darkness began to dominate. So what God set in motion was a plan to restore man back to that authority. So when, the, when all things have, rec have been reconciled through Christ, there will be a new age, a new, a new heaven and a new earth and man will live here. Hallelujah. And so now, our God, who is the father of all spirit, created all spirits. But Satan, so somebody may ask, did God create the spirit of darkness? God created Satan, we understand from scripture, was an angel in heaven. And because of his rebellion, he was made darkness. And that darkness had to be thrown out of heaven because in the presence of God, there is no darkness at all. God is light. In him was life and that life was the light of all. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So when he disobeyed God, because of his rebellion, he was made darkness. And wherever there is any form of light, the moment there is darkness, that darkness is dissipated. So Satan was dissipated, was thrown out of, of heaven. And the only place that did not have the glory of the light of God was the earth. So this is what the Bible gives us, that now the earth was formless. It was empty and there was darkness over the surface of the deep. So this is why Satan was thrown to the earth, because the earth at that point was formless and empty. That emptiness denotes the absence of the word of God, the absence of the manifestation of the glory of the spirit of God and the glory of the word of God. Hallelujah. Because the earth at that point did not have that, Darkness was here. But what happened? God now introduced his word. And this is why we see in Genesis 1, the verse uh, 4, that God, uh, 3, and, and four, uh, 3 and 4, that God separated light from darkness. He separated light from darkness here on earth. Hallelujah. And so we have to understand that our God is the, is the father of all spirit. And all spirits are subject to his authority. So the human spirit is subject to the authority of God. Even the spirit of evil is subject to the authority of God. Hallelujah. So our father, so the most dominant and most powerful spirit is the spirit of God. Hallelujah. All other forms of spirit. So spirits may manifest themselves differently. 
But it, no matter how any spirit manifests itself, is either influenced by the spirit of darkness or is of, the, of evil or is the spirit of God. But we know that the spirit that is of God is the Holy Spirit. And that spirit is released into the life of man through Christ. So this is what the Bible says. Jesus is the way, not a way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because there is this debate out there. People are talking about there are many paths to God. There are no many paths to God. There is only one way to God. That is through Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who comes by any gate is a thief. There is one gate to the Lord. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so, then, so God created the human spirit. And that in the original state of the human spirit, it was created out of light and we had the spirit of God in it. But the fall of man made the human spirit subject to corruption by the spirit of darkness. That corruption, and this is, I want you to take notice of this, that corruption does not happen until one gets to the age of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the corruption, the full manifestation of the corruption takes place. This is why people... Children who die before they get to the age of the knowledge of good and evil and receive spiritual death will go to heaven. Why? Because they have not gotten to the age of the knowledge of good and evil and so there is no full manifestation of spiritual death. I've heard stories about kids being able to foretell things to come. They could see it because their spirit is pure. And all spirits come from God. God is the father of all spirits. The father of spirits. So their spirit come from God. But their spirit is embedded in a body that is subject to sickness and disease. A body that is not glorified because of Adam. But that manifestation of the fullness of spiritual death does not happen until the person gets to the age of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? And here, I also want you to notice the pattern of God. You see that Adam did not fall into spiritual death until he ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And you look at children. When they are kids, they could be naked. Na they could be naked. They, you can take them out and they are naked and they don't care. Why? Because they have not come to the age of the knowledge of good and evil. They have not been developed enough to come to the age of the knowledge of good and evil. And so there is no shyness. There is no fear. They, they, they do things the way they do it. They don't care. Why? They have not come to the knowledge of good and evil. This is what the Bible says. Anyone who cannot receive or accept the kingdom of God like a little child cannot enter it. Why? Because children are innocent. But the moment they grow to the age where they know good and evil, you never see anyone walking naked. If someone is walking naked, then we know that their mental capacity is, is diminished or something is wrong. And it's the same thing that happened to Adam. You remember, Adam was always naked. But Adam's nakedness, he never came into the consciousness of the nakedness until he fell into spiritual death. The moment he ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, the Lord called him, Adam, where are you? He said, Lord, I am naked. He said, who told you? That you're naked. Right then the Lord knew that he had ate of the, of, the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so that 
That was the time that spiritual death took place. In the same way, spiritual death manifests. The spiritual death that is inherited from Adam manifests when somebody gets to the age of the knowledge of good and evil. And we see the, the pattern in our growth. As children, the Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, as I, as I grew up, I put away childish things. Why? Because you come to the knowledge of good and evil, knowledge of that which is, which is right, knowledge of that which is mature, knowledge of that which is childish. You come to the knowledge of good and evil, then that spiritual death takes place. And that is the time that a person needs Christ. You can't preach the gospel to a child. It will mean nothing. Their spirit is pure. They have not come into the knowledge of good and evil. See, they don't know what you're talking about. But the moment they hit that age and they come to the knowledge of good and evil, that spiritual death of Adam manifests itself. And that's when they need Christ. So for the sake of time, I'll end it here. But I believe that we have started a good journey here. And I believe um, that the Lord is speaking to each and every one of us. But I want to encourage you that no matter where you are, for you, I believe you have received the deposit of the Spirit of God. And so now the foundation of Christ is in you. But now we are building on this foundation. The Bible says you can build it on the foundation with gold, silver, with straw, with hay. But we are interested in building our foundation with gold. When gold is it goes through fire, it is refined. And it shows up, it shows its beauty and glory in the same way. We have received this glory. Even though we're waiting for the fullness of our glory to come, we've already received this glory. So this morning, I, I, I want to share a simple prayer with you. I want to speak this word over your life. That no matter where you are now, I want you to know that because you have given your life to Christ, you have received the initial foundation, which is Christ. But you have to build on that foundation. And now we're studying His Word to uncover how to build the foundation. How to leverage the foundation that has already been laid in us. To build the life that God has for us. Because to each one of us, grace has been given as He apportioned it. And so the Spirit of God in you has given you access. And by the Word of God, now you have access to these two principal things. And by these principal things, the Lord is instructing you. Be fruitful and multiply. Take dominion over that situation. Because you have these two. So Heavenly Father, I present everyone at the sound of my voice to you. Lord, indeed, your word is true and your word is life. This morning you spoke into our hearts. You have started us on a journey. To uncover how to lay a solid foundation for our lives. But Lord, we have understood that no foundation can be laid except that which has been laid through Christ. And by the laying of that foundation, we have received the first principle things. We've also received your word. And by your word, you said, be fruitful and multiply. And so Lord, we believe that every aspect of our lives has to be fruitful and multiply. And so I present my brothers and sisters to you this morning. That Lord, if there is any area of your life 
that Satan is deceiving them, causing them to disobey your word in order that the fruitfulness and multiplication and dominion may be taken away. I stand by the power of the Spirit of God and in the name of the Lord Jesus and I rebuke the hand of the enemy. I command every word, every deception of Satan to flee now in the name of Jesus. That by your Spirit, by your Spirit of God, that they will walk in the light of the fruitfulness, they will walk in the life of dominion that you have predestined for their life. Because to each one of us, grace has been given. Father, I thank you that you have spoken to us this morning. I pray that Lord, this week will be the start of the full manifestation of your glory in their lives. That if there was a step they needed to take, the Lord, oh God, you guide our steps. You who works in us to will and to act in order to fulfill your good purpose. Oh, the Lord, you will cause them to walk in the light. You will cause them to fulfill your will for, your, for their lives. That no seed of darkness will reign ever in their life because you sent Jesus. That he might break the power of him. And now the power of our lives has been broken, oh God. So Lord, we thank you, oh, for the manifestation of your glory. We thank you for the life of fruitfulness. We thank you for the life of dominion. That all will know and see the manifestation of your glory in our lives. And will be a testimony to them that you are a good father. That you are a merciful father. That you do not change. That you are still the same yesterday and today and forevermore. That the blessing given to Abraham has come to us Gentiles. And by faith we have received the fullness of your glory in Christ Jesus. Because this is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith. He said, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And Father, they believe in the name of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, by the anointing of your Spirit, let every glory that you are predestined for them this week be manifested in their lives. The Lord, when we meet again, we'll have this testimony. The testimony, the word of our testimony to glorify you. We thank you. For the opportunity that you have given us to hear your word this morning. Let this word continue to ring in our heart. Let it continue to saturate and let it be a seed in us. That even as we begin, we grow. Even as we go about our daily activity, the word continues to speak to us. The word continues to direct our path in a way of fruitfulness. In a way of dominion. In the name of Jesus. Anything that is lacking. The scriptures as you shall supply all our needs according to the riches of your glory by Christ Jesus. Let that need be met in the name of Jesus. And let that seed of darkness be broken now in the name of Jesus. But the entrance of your word, give it light. And the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So every darkness has been dissipated over your life. Lord, we glorify you for it. We thank you that you have restored us. We thank you that your life, all that you have given us in Christ, has manifested in our lives in full functionality. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Oh, give glory to God. Give glory to God. We thank you for another glorious day. Glory to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining in. We meet, us, we meet again uh, next week. God richly bless you. God richly bless you. God richly bless you. It's bye for now. It's bye for now. Please reach out. If I can be of help with anything, reach out. If we can support you in prayer. Uh, God richly bless you. I appreciate you joining us. Um, so, i see you next week. i see you next week. So, but I, I will give some announcement as to whether we're meeting in person or online. So stay tuned. God richly bless you. 
God richly bless you and have a great weekend.